As school board battles continue across the nation over sexually explicit content in schools, a Virginia judge hands parents a powerful tool to fight obscenity. Plus, another court in Loudoun County sends a strong message that schools can't cut parents out of the process. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by Josh Hetzler, legal counsel for our Founding Freedoms Law Center. Well, Josh, it's great to have you back on the show to give us some legal analysis. But before we get into that, I want to talk about something more fun here, and that is you've had a new development, a really big change in your life. You have a new baby. That's right, Candy. Today, uh, Graham Isaac Hetzler is eight weeks old today. And so uh, for a few weeks, I had off. So that was nice. I got to just spend some time with him and my wife, Madison. So it was a really, really great time. Obviously, fatherhood is greater than I could have even imagined. And Graham is doing great. He started to smile and uh, make make different noises, cooing sounds in the last week <laughs> or two. And he's really kind of getting in a, in a rhythm um, in, in terms of sleep and eating. So it's all new. It's all fresh. And, you know, we're trying to get sleep. We're trying to figure it out. But God has been so, so good. And, you know, I really have a new or maybe a better perspective on the the issues of life that we often talk about. You know, having seen it myself, having seen the ultrasounds, listened to the heartbeat, it's it's really, you know, takes your your comprehension to a different level when you think about these things and as we advocate for them. All right, you got some tips for new dads? I would say get used to changing diapers. Um, and you know what? It's not, I never changed a diaper in my life before, but it's actually not that bad. You, you, you tend to not be as bothered by things when it's your own child. You know, otherwise it, it would be like terribly awful and gross and you don't want to do it. But when it's your own child, you're just like, eh, you know, let's, let's go for it. So, Glad to hear you're pulling the weight there. All right. Now, do you have, what would you say is, has been your most scary moment and your most wonderful moment with having a brand new baby? You know, I, th- I think the most wonderful moment probably has to be when you first hold him and just taking it all in and, and just staring at him for so long. You just can't take your eyes away. So, so I'll, I'll always remember that. And I remembered thinking at that time, I, I need to take a picture of this because I want to always remember this moment. And, and I did. And, and I've taken about, I don't know, 5,000 pictures in the last <laughs> few weeks. I had to buy extra space uh, to on my storage to, to be able to hold all these pictures. Um, at the scariest moment, I I don't know. I haven't I haven't had a lot of scary moments, but there have been a couple times where he's just inconsolable. He cry, you know, will cry a lot, and there's not really anything that you can do, but just get through it. You just feel kind of helpless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I was the firstborn in my family. And I just always remember my parents telling me this story that they were terrified with me as their first child on that first drive home from the hospital. And it's like every speed bump they went over, like, oh, slow down. Is the baby okay? I just wondered if you had those kind of moments. That's that's a good point. Yes. On our way home from the hospital, I've never driven so carefully before and like, like grandma. And so and avoided every pothole and stopped extra long. But yeah, another another thing is is just holding that baby's 
head up straight because you know he can't he hasn't been able to hold his head up by himself so you always have to be worried about his ne- neck and head flailing somewhere and and, <laughs> and the whiplash that that may cause so yeah that's been another challenge well have you had a baby first yet is he old enough to have done a first big first moment of something well i think i'm i may mention it but in the past week week and a half he started to smile and now he's even responding to, you know, every time uh, my wife sings a little song to him, she can get a smile from him every time she sings it. So he's he's definitely be, being more responsive to certain things now, and that's been really amazing to watch. And I will say he is objectively cute. I mean, everyone thinks their baby's cute, but I will bear witness that by objective standards, in my opinion, he's one of the cutest babies I've ever seen. So congratulations. Well, I think so too. Well, we've had a couple of major wins with legal precedents for parents in the last few weeks that we wanted to highlight, but they both kind of got lost in the news cycle with all that's been happening with Roe v. Wade, gas prices rising, and baby food shortages. But let's just start with this amazing court decision out of Virginia Beach. Now, just to give some context here, parents across the nation have been battling these extremely sexually explicit books in their kids' schools. But so far, it's been difficult for parents because it can be so hard to establish, legally speaking, that these books can be categorized as pornographic or obscene, even though we can all see that they are pornographic, you know, pornographic and obscene. It is difficult to get that established in a legal sense, and therefore it's it's hard to get schools to actually do something. But there was this major victory coming out of Virginia Beach. Tell us about that, Josh. Yeah, so attorney, uh, who's also a delegate in the Virginia House of Delegates, Tim Anderson, brought this case uh, against a couple of books that were believed to be obscene. And a Virginia, a particular Virginia statute allows someone in Virginia to actually bring a case before a judge, present a book and say, hey, we believe this is obscene and therefore it's not appropriate for children without parental consent. And so this was a huge, huge development where Tim Anderson brought this and actually the judge, after looking at these books, determined that there was probable cause to believe that these were obscene. And so what happens next is the authors of those books and those who would sell them um, including Barnes and Nobles, have to come before the court and explain themselves and defend themselves. And so the, the fact that the judge found probable cause is basically a, a really strong indication that, yes, these books have been and will be determined to have been obscene. And therefore, just like how parents have to give consent for a child to go to a rated R movie or to buy a rated R movie from, from Walmart, or to buy a video game that's rated mature. Uh, it's the same thing now with books that are considered to be too mature for children. And now uh, they're going to be in a position to where parents are going to have to consent for children to either get these books from the, their school library or to buy them from a store. Yeah, from even something like Barnes & Noble. Now, the interesting thing about this is that this involves a couple of books that we're actually in the Virginia Beach area schools and have also alarmed parents across the nation. And I'll just take a minute to say this might be a good time to put your little ones out of hearing of the show because we are going to get into a little bit of sensitive information here. But one of the books at issue is called Gender Queer. 
And without going into too much detail, this book does just have extremely disturbing descriptions of sexual experimentation that are totally, without question, inappropriate for kids. But it's not just the descriptions. It also has extremely graphic images. And this is accessible to kids in many public schools. So let's just listen in to this dramatic moment when a school board in Colorado recently cut off a mom trying to express her concerns about this very same book by reading from it. Kindly refrain from further reading here, please. Thank you. Let me finish reading this. There is no more vulgarity, but this is what you allow in our schools, and this is what you allow for our kids to have access to. This is pornography, and this is grooming for pedophilia. I mean, you can just hear the agony in the voices of the parents in that clip saying, you know, you're allowing this in our schools. Josh, how is this legal win going to help parents like them? Yeah, we're seeing this sort of thing, from, like from this mom, in, in so many school districts across Virginia, across the nation. This legal win is so important in Virginia in particular because it sets up a model or a framework where parents can push back, not just by going before their school board, which is important, and we're also, uh, we also have efforts in the legislature to try to deal with this, but now we can go directly to court and have a judge determine that these things are obscene and, and essentially force the issue with parents having to consent before their children are allowed to see these materials. So this can be replicated in every school district in every county and city in Virginia. And that's something that we would very much encourage to occur. Can the parents already start citing that this judge in the Virginia Beach area has found probable cause that these books are obscene? Is that something they can already start Referencing? Absolutely. This is going to send shockwaves throughout the court systems in Virginia. And I think uh, judges are going to look at this and they're going to feel like they're better enabled to declare something to be obscene. Because sometimes it can be difficult to determine whether something is obscene or not. The the standard is a a little bit murky. But here we've got really clear examples. And so I think this sets a, a good precedent for other judges to begin to acknowledge but parents are rightly acknowledging that these things are inappropriate for their children. This could be a game changer, but you know, it didn't take long to start hearing the usual accusations from left-wing activists that this is just another form of book burning or banning. What is your response to that, Josh? Well, that's simply not true. No book is going to be taken off the shelves. No book is going to be banned or censored anywhere. Now, whether they should or shouldn't is a different question, but all this does is say, hey, Those books that are there, which are found to be obscene, parents are going to have to consent before their children have access to that, period. It's not saying that children can't have access. It's saying that parents ought to be the ones to determine whether or not that's appropriate for their children. And that's something, again, we already do in the context of movies and video games and other things. And we're just simply applying it to the books in their schools. Now, you mentioned not taking it off the shelves, but I think, you know, we have had even in Virginia Beach where school committees have reviewed these obscene books and decided that they aren't appropriate for kids in their schools so that technically they have taken them out. Right. That's a very good point, Candy. Yes, absolutely. School boards can take can decide that certain books are not appropriate at all for the bookshelves. Right. And and we would probably agree with them. And they can do that. But that's that's a little bit different than what this lawsuit says, that the books may be on the shelves, but parents get to decide whether their kids can, can read it and check it out. 
So if the school board wants to go that next step and say, hey, we don't think kids should be reading this period, they can do that. Uh, but that's just, but in terms of what the left may be saying about censoring or removing books, that's not what's happening with these lawsuits. Yeah, it's about parental authority and that parents get the choice. That's right. Not just random book burning. That, that's uh, completely, uh, I guess, what you would call fake news. That's right. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. All right, well, I want to make sure we get to the other major win we mentioned, and this one involves a lawsuit against Loudoun County School Board that you and the Founding Freedoms Law Center were involved in, right? Yeah, a few weeks ago, we were in Loudoun County Circuit Court, and we got a ruling after a two-day trial, and the judge ruled in our favor essentially by saying that school board, the school board, in fact, had violated the law with regards to open meetings by kicking the parents out of the infamous June 22nd meeting and by not allowing them to come back into the building, even though they continued on for several hours, they took votes on policies. And so this was a really important case to really determine once and for all what, what we already knew. But having a court say it was powerful, that the, the school board, in fact, did break the law. And ma- many parents had felt very disenfranchised, very kept out, unheard. And this decision goes a long way to validate them, to vindicate their concerns, and to help make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, this is very powerful. And just so everybody remembers, this is that... June school board meeting last year, was it? It was last year, last June, um, where there were some 600 parents and citizens that showed up in large part to talk about the controversial transgender issues policy. And Josh, you and I were at that meeting personally. We were both supposed to give testimony on behalf of the parents. I made it up there, but you didn't because the whole meeting got declared an unlawful assembly before you even got up there to testify. That's right. So uh, about 200 people who were signed up to speak did not get to speak. I think there were almost 700 people in the room and many outside who couldn't come into the room. There was a lot of energy, a lot of interest over this. In this particular meeting, they were going to be discussing and voting on the transgender model policies. And uh, parents were there for all sorts of different reasons. But, yeah, so there was a lot of excitement, and it was the wrong move to kick all those people out who were very concerned about real issues. Yeah, and I don't think – I don't know if I'll ever see another school board meeting quite like this one in my lifetime. I mean, so after the school board members walked out – the parents stayed there, and we witnessed them. First, they broke out into spontaneous singing of the Star Spangled Banner, and then they gave their comments anyway. It was really an amazing thing to see. Um, but it's great that not only did they kind of have their say, so to speak, at that moment, but Josh, through your help with Founding Freedoms Law Center and other lawyers, um, they now have been vindicated legally as well. Um, so how would you say this decision is ultimately going to help other parents across the state? I think first and foremost, it's an encouragement to parents across Virginia that school boards will be held accountable when they break the law, when they keep parents out, when they don't allow them to participate. And that's what this case was about. The June 22nd meeting was a very public one. And for us to sue and get this uh, 
ruling about this is something that is going to make waves because this was the one that was aired over and over and over on Fox News, nationally, everywhere for a long time. And so, and also parents will hopefully find it easier to challenge their school boards if and when they do these sorts of things again. And they can certainly reach out to us at foundingfreedomslaw.org if they're interested in doing that. Yeah, I love what our President Victoria Cobb said, that school boards across Virginia are now on notice. So thanks for your work with that, Josh. Um, Just to wrap up, if they visit your Founding Freedoms Law Center website, what's that website again? Foundingfreedomslaw.org. That's foundingfreedoms with an S, law.org. What are some good things they might find on there to help them out? One of the tabs we have on that website is called Resources. And we have a number of topics where we've provided a number of helpful resources for parents and others who uh, th- that are going to be helpful in terms of your, your school board, your, your, your children at school. And so we have a resource there for transgender issues. We have a resource there for sex education and uh, a, n- a, number of, a number of things there. But you'll definitely want to check it out. It's all free. And, and if there's something that's not there, Uh, that you have a question about, you can reach out to us on the website either by calling us or by emailing us through the link, and we'll be happy to get back with you about it. So what do those do when you say, you know, we have things, sex education, like what is it that you have? Yeah, so we we give you information about how to find out what is in your your school's sex education, often called family life education. Mm -hmm. We point you to opt-out forms Mm -hmm. that the state has. And we create opt-out forms of our own for various things, including um, various things if, if there's topics on transgenderism that you don't want your child to be participating in. Mm-hmm. We provide model opt-out forms. So those sorts of things you're definitely going to want to check out, and it's going to be helpful for you in, in being able to protect your children in public schools. Okay, great. So not only does it help them figure out how to find out what's in the school, but it also gives them resources to ask to be opted out, that kind of thing. Absolutely, yep. Okay, wonderful. Well, Josh, I know as you mentioned earlier in the show that being a new dad is really giving you a lot of different perspective on these things. Do you have any special word for dads out there, especially in light of all these issues we've been talking about? We can't discount the role, the importance of the role of fatherhood. And I think that that's really a, a missing link in, in so many things right now. And I would just encourage the fathers out there about the importance of their role in helping raise their child in a culture that is really challenging more every day in, in terms of the influences on their children. And so I'm being very intentional about that now. And I think fathers, parents need to be so intentional about what they're allowing their kids to be exposed to because it's coming at them from from every angle. Yeah, and I will say it, it is very powerful when you hear dads also testifying at these school board meetings trying to protect their young daughters, you know, with their safety, privacy rights in the bathrooms, locker rooms, and also just wanting to protect their their children's minds. It's very powerful to hear from a dad on that. They are some of the most compelling testimonies that I have heard out there. And so, yeah, we we definitely need the Papa Grizzlies in addition to the Mama Bears, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I guess I'm one of them now. Yes. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. 
That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.